with us. All right, we're going to be in Exodus. We've kind of been in here unplanned, just kind of following along this honey thing. Uh, it's been a big deal to us since God gave us the reminder uh, a few days after the hurricane from a dear friend uh, uh, said, Jamie, look for honey in the dead lion. And we've been kind of using that as our theme. And you see it on the truck, sweeter than honey. Uh, we, uh, you know, we, we just, it's just been a, a cool part. And I kind of have fallen into some of this. And we, 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 we found our way to, to uh, Exodus where the, the children of Israel leave Egypt by Moses' leadership through the Red Sea. They get the bitter waters. Many of you were here when we took a stick and put it in the waters. Just God can sweeten, make honey out of even bitter places of our life. We went to the 12 springs of Elam, just that God takes us to those oases in the spirit. We don't live there, but we're moving on to other things. We did uh, manna from heaven. It's sweet. Uh, did you ever know that the manna tasted like honey? Was that a revelation? Uh, did Pastor Jason bring that out when he preached on that? I'm sure he did. Thank you. Uh, I wasn't here, but I knew he was preaching on the, the manna tasted like honey. I thought that was really a, I never saw that before uh, in my, uh, and I've read through the story a thousand times and, and just never saw the manna being as honey. Well, I'm going to take a little spin today in a different direction. And just kind of ask this question, what is honey without Jesus? What is honey without Jesus? Would you want honey without Jesus? So I want you to go to Exodus 33. The backstory: Moses has been up on the mountain, God, the Ten Commandments. While he's there, they have this giant, like, perverted orgy, idolatry, made, made an idol, a golden calf, and they're dancing. I mean, just, just almost like they live in, in much of the world today. And just unrestrained uh, passions and lust. And, and Moses throws the commandments down, breaks them, and, and God's not happy. Uh, and, and, and so we're going to pick up the story here where God, there's consequences to their, their behavior. In chapter 33, uh, we'll start in verse 1 of the book of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Go up to the land I promised. On oath, that's why it's called the, say it with me, promised land. That was weak. That's why it's called the promised land. Why? Because God said, I'm going to give it to you. It's his gift. So God says, go on up to the land I promised to an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Verse 2, I will send an angel before you, drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, to Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These were all pagan people that were consumed with evil. And it was cancer in the land. And God says, I'm going to drive them out. And, and he says that I'm, I'm going to send a big angel to do it. I'm going to send an angel. It doesn't say big, but it, it'd be a big angel to be able to accomplish that. It, it's not, not an angel you want to mess with. He's going to drive out these enemies. And then God says his third, I will, verse 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Now stop for a second. Do you ever think about what does that mean, flowing with milk and honey? I mean, our day, that doesn't seem like, it just seems kind of, but to have milk, you got to have healthy animals, 
cows and sheep and goats and whatever produced the milk. So to have that, you've got to have green grass. You've got to have good pasture land, which, which means fertile soil, which means a land that's blessed. It's not deserty. It's well uh, 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 irrigated. It, it rained upon. It's, it's got nutrients in the soil. It's a, it's a fertile place. And to have honey, you've got to have flowers. You've got to have beauty. You've got to have production of the land of health and, and so the bees can pollinate and, and they can make honey that is, is, is their sugar then. There was no sugar, no refined sugar. It was honey and it was a delicacy and it was, and he said, this land flows with honey. Now, I will give you the land. I will send a big angel, drive out the enemies. But, and he says, the word, but in verse three, he says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but now in my Bible, that's why I love you to, to bring a Bible or go home, reread the story. And when a word really jumps out to you and it, it, it's a, it's a huge contrast. It's a, it's a hard right turn. Uh, you know, don't, don't fall off in this hard turn because it's a hard turn here. God's up to that point. What are you feeling? I'm feeling good. God's going to give me my blessings. God's going to prosper me. God's going to give me good success. God's got good things for me. God's got a big angel going with me. God's got spiritual experiences, miracles, deliverances, power, expressions of God's awesomeness going with me. God's going to Give me milk and honey in abundance. Pour it out on me. More than I can handle. But he says, there's one consequence. He said, I'm not going to go with you. Because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Now, that's a God that we don't know much about today in churches. People don't want to know about him. People don't want standards absolutes, truth, accountability. It's part of being an American. Well, it's not part of being a Christian. And we've confused our theology from our culture and letting our culture set our theology instead of the word of God. God's not somebody to be messed with. <laughs> Whether you're reading the Old or New Testament, just go to the book of Revelation if you think he's someone to be messed with. Uh, that we have a tendency in our culture to water him down and call that mercy. But that's not, this is mercy here. God's saying, I'm not going with you, and there's a good reason. Because if I go with you, I might kill you. That's mercy. God's saying, I'm going to pull back. Because if I walk with you and you go back into those ways, there's going to be consequences that are horrible. God's mercy withholds. And says, go ahead and get what I've got for you. But you don't get me. This is a test. This is a huge test. This is a, a, a we're going to talk in a minute about the ways of God. But this is something that you need to learn because we're, you're going to bump up into it. If you haven't already in your life. You'll bump up into it as a leader. We bump up into it as a church. As Christian. Again, as, as New Testament believers... I understand the promises of Jesus. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. So we're not talking about God leaving us in a rejection and an a absolute departure. 
We're talking about God saying, my, my presence of, that, that you would be aware of, my, my sense of connectedness to you, my intimacy, my, my, my relationship with you, I'm pulling back. I'm going to be absent from the honey. You can still have the honey. This is where we miss it. Because we still get the honey, we think we've got God. Just because you get honey doesn't mean you had God. You can have honey without God. You can have miracles without God. You can, there are churches that experience supernatural stuff. Doesn't equal that God is smiling on that church. How hard would it be if we were on a regular basis seeing people with horrible sicknesses healed? I mean, it, we would celebrate. It'd be wonderful. It'd be the kingdom of God. But how hard would it be to be seeing people healed and be discerning that God wasn't with us. Because healing is part of the kingdom of God. And, but so is honey. Healing is the honey of the New Testament. You can have healing without Jesus. It says it in the book of Matthew. Many will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, work miracles? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. That's serious. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is in the book of Judges. Samson doing great miracles from God, supernatural strength, deliverance. He loses his strength but doesn't know it. Probably one of the most haunting scriptures in the Bible. He compromises. He gives up his secret, which is his hair, but it wasn't about his hair. It was about his dedication, separation to God. He gives it up in a weak moment to a woman that seduced him to give it up. And the Bible says he went out to fight as he always did, not knowing the Spirit of God had left him. Now, again, I'm not trying to put some, some unholy fear that somehow you're going to do something and, and God's going to just leave you. No, that's not, that's not the, the promises of God in the New Testament. What my concern is, is that as believers, we can settle for his blessings and miss him. How do you know that? Well, you ha- I'm going to give you three prayers to pray that Moses prays because these people freak out when God says, they start taking these ornaments off that they weren't supposed to be wearing and, or, or, or it was an act of contrition. We don't know fully, but they're repenting. Moses repents. He goes in the tent. He seeks God. Now I'm going to pick up the story, and this is Moses responding to God saying, I'm not going with you. Verse 12. Of chapter 33. Moses says to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. In other words, you've made your will clear to me. This is my job to do this. I'm supposed to do this. Moses isn't doing something wrong, but you can do something right and it becomes wrong. That's a hard thing to get your mind around. Just stay with me. You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know who you're going to send with me. Then he says, you have said, I know you by name, which is a personal. Remember, Jesus says, as, as our shepherd, I know my sheep by name. That's what means I have relationship with you. I'm, I'm, there's an intimacy. There's an ownership. There's a, there's a, a relationship there. Uh, I know you by name. And you say, I found favor with you. Now, verse 13. If you're pleased with me, here's the first prayer. Teach me, which implies what? What does teach me imply? He's willing and he's 
ignorant. Needs, needs to know. When you don't know something, there's an ignorance to it. There's a, there, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know you don't know, you're in trouble. We all have blind spots. Moses is like, I got blind spots, Lord. And here's the big one. Teach me your ways. There's two results of learning his ways in this verse. He says that I might know you and continue to walk in your favor. What is the ways of God? You know, we, we talk about the will of God, which is go here, go there, don't do this, do that. This is God's leadership, God's direction. His ways are involved with his will. There's no doubt about it. But his ways have more to do with how you do his will. For example, it was the will of God for them to go to the promised land. But it wasn't his ways for them to go without him. Doing something that's right without him makes it wrong. How is that true? Because a blessing turns into a curse when it takes the place of substitutes him. And how many of us in our walk with Jesus have our needs and wants and dreams and desires taken precedence over our relationship with him? Now, you can't tell that God is not with someone because they're having a hard time in life. Job loved God and had a horrible time in life. You might look at his friends and say, Job, you're off. Something's wrong with you because bad people get bad things happening to them. But that's not true. That's bad theology. Good people have bad things happen to them, and bad people have good things happen. There are bad pastors that have good things happen to them, bad gifted leaders, prophetic healers, large churches, little churches, but really gifted people can miss his presence. How do you know? Samson got up to go and, and he did not know that the Lord was not with him because there was something missing in the relationship. The, 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 the key to knowing God's ways, kind of how he does stuff, is knowing him. When you know God a little bit, you know some things that he typically doesn't do. For example, God typically, his ways aren't to talk to you about other people and how they need to change. I'm not going to say he never does that. Whenever you listen to someone that gives a radio, TV, whatever, has a prophetic word, if that word doesn't always start with how it applies to them, I don't listen to them. I don't want to hear what you have to say about someone else until you've heard it yourself. And do you don't hear your own word. That's where I would, you would never hear me after this storm do anything but preach the presence and mercy of God in his people. I'm not going to say this storm meant this. God's trying to do it's You think that because the Cape Coral and Pine Island and Sanibel and Fort Myers Beach are worse than St. Pete, Tampa, and Clearwater? Come on. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to look at Jamie and look in the mirror and say, God, what do you want to teach me through this storm? What do you want to do in my life? And it's enough that maybe I could get a glimpse for me and get a glimpse for this church. Good things were born out of that storm. We said, Lord, teach us your ways. 
We know one of the ways of God is that God's a God of hope. God doesn't leave us without hope. And so as leaders, we knew we needed to cast vision for this church beyond ourselves. So we came up with the food truck drive. I had a friend of mine. He was our former national director. They'll be here this winter, Lord willing, stay with us, uh, Phil and Jan. Just, he's the one who gave me the word about the, find the, the honey and the dead lion. And he prayed with us two weeks into the storm, and we were thinking about the truck, different things. He said, he prayed over the phone. He said, Lord, these people are going to need some financial help. Lord, they're going to need 100000 No, no. They're going to need $250,000 before this is over. And I'm like, wow. Now, I pay attention to his prayers because a number of years ago, he was pastoring in Lewiston, Maine, and they were in this big building program, and they needed a million dollars for the program. And so he got on his knees. He said, God, I pray that you'll give a million dollars. That next week, he opened the newspaper, and a church a few miles down the road received a check of $1 million. He didn't get it. I told him when he prayed for us, dude, did you get our address in there? That's 923 Southeast 47th Terrace. I'm happy if one of my buddies gets the check down the road, but you prayed that for us. Do you know that we're over $200,000 into this thing right now? Now, I'm not talking about our budget. I'm not talking about our church giving on top of our normal giving. That's why we have a food truck out there that is completely 100% paid for while we were able to do thousands and thousands and thousands of hot meals. Why we've been able to bless people the way we've been able to is God's been good to us. And we have found honey. But if he stops, he's still good. Teach me your ways, Lord. Teach me your ways. Let me discern. Are you, you just need to have a caution flag this morning. Just pause and say, am I trying to get God to catch up to me? You ever, that's never a good prayer. Lord, come on. Would you hurry up? Let me tell you how God leads. It's the way my father-in-law drives. He's probably watching. You get in the car with Papa. He gets to a green light and discerns it's going to turn yellow and slows down. I'm like, dude, that thing's going to turn yellow. Let's get through it. No, no, no. He pauses before it turns yellow, so he'll stop as it turns yellow. I'm going insane. So are the nine cars behind us. And he's not even from Michigan. It's unbelievable. I just threw that out because they won yesterday, just to keep them humble. Anyway. My dad went to the University of Michigan, so I'm, I'm proud of my heritage. And, but, but God has got this slow gear. When you put the pedal down on God, he just slows down. He doesn't respond to our panic. I'll never forget one time we were talking about taking another trip. This will disqualify me for going. But my first trip I led to uh, Israel, my wife and I, we were in our 20s, and everybody in the group were ancient of age, mostly about my age now. And, uh, and some were old. My mom went with us. And so we got back to New York, and we had like 10 minutes to, to, to make a 15-minute uh, hurry, if you could hurry, to, to not miss. And I mean, after all that international, I'm driving these people like whoosh, yeah, 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 whoosh, move it, move it.
prove it. I'm, but I can't, Pastor, I can't. I'm, and they're hobbled, and, and I drove them. I mean, it was unbelievable. It's almost miraculous we got there. Flight was delayed an hour and a half. And nobody would sit with me. Not even my wife. It was a terrible leader. When, you tr- when you're trying to get God to catch up to what you're doing, you're on the wrong timetable. Moses said, Lord, I want to learn. What? This is a guy that led them out of Egypt. This is a guy that spent 40 years in the desert learning about God. This is the guy that met God in a burning bush and been on a mountain with God. And he has the humility to say, if there's anything you need to learn about the ways of God is that you don't know. Put the, that Isaiah. Isaiah 55 says this. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. So when you think God's thoughts equal your thoughts, danger, warning. Now there could be. It's not because God thinks like you do. It's because you've changed to think like he does. Naturally, you don't think like God. You're not God. You don't think of sacrificing your life for other people naturally. You don't think of humbling yourself and forgive naturally. You don't think of being more genuine. God's thoughts. We're in dangerous territory when we think God thinks like we do. As the old uh, joke is, when you think God hates all the same people you hate, you might be in deception. His thoughts aren't all your thoughts. Not every thought you have is God equal to God's. Don't bring God down to your level. You got to go up to him, lift him up. Teach me. He says, and neither are your ways my ways. How you would do it isn't always how God would. In fact, for me, I just take my natural inkling and don't do it. And it turns out better. Well, naturally, I'd like to put the fruit truck inside behind the, the fence and see it, even though nobody agrees with me. And I just think it's a better idea than everybody else around me. And I don't listen. But my thoughts weren't God's thoughts. Because when I pulled the truck in there, it looked stupid. And I'm like, that was all stupid waste. I wasted two hours of our staff's time right before Thanksgiving. Two hours. But that's their life living with me. What they do know about me is I'm willing to say, that was stupid. I was wrong. And Charles had the idea first. And so I threw him under the bus. <laughs> it is true. Verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher. In other words, you're not going to always get them. I didn't know that when I prayed the prayer, Jabez led you to pray for it. I've gone back through my journal all through January, February. We're going to break out. God's going to expand our territory. I never knew that the answer to that was Ian. I wouldn't have prayed it. You don't pray this. Oh, God, send us a Category 5 storm. We need it, Lord, to strengthen our faith. We need it, God, to cleanse our hearts. We need it, Lord, to be... Nobody pray. You're insane if you pray that. Life's full of enough Ians. You don't need to ask for them. You don't either need to say, God, Tampa needed it way more than we did. Lord, why not Tampa? That'd be a great T-shirt, wouldn't it? Why not Tampa? You could sell a lot of those around here. There's a lot of humility in that shirt, right? No. That's not God's ways. If it's going to be anybody, Lord, let it be us. That would have been his ways. His ways aren't ours. And it's what gets us into trouble. 
because we have rational, we have logical, we have emotion. We, 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 we want to bring him down to where we do things the way we want to do them, and we want him to bless it. But seldom is that the way God works. It's, 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 it's more, God, I don't know what, I'm not sure how to do this here. If there's anything that's characterized my wife and I's leadership over almost 45 years, is that we on a regular basis have to go to God and say, God, we have no idea what we're doing here. There's no handbook on this. There's the Bible, but the Bible doesn't tell you whether to buy a food truck or not. The Bible doesn't say in the middle of a, of a Category 5 disaster, try to raise $80,000 for a food truck. The Bible doesn't tell you. But there was a sense from God that I'm in this. He pulled us into it. When you're pulling him into it, beware. But when he's pulling you into it, there's, there's grace on that. Again, it doesn't mean if God's in it, it's easy. Don't hear me say that. Because he was giving them the easy way. Big angel, deliverance, milk and honey. Quicker, easier, better. Except, would you miss him? Would you have missed the Lord if he wasn't here this morning? Say, Jamie, God's always here. God's everywhere. And theologically, that's true. That doesn't mean I experience him everywhere. It doesn't mean that I encounter him everywhere. It doesn't mean that I'm aware of him. What would it have been like this morning if God hadn't come to church? There are Sundays I wonder whether he is here. In my preaching, I wonder, where were you, Lord? Now, sometimes God does more when I don't sense him than when I sense him. But I'm saying the humility to say, teach me your ways, Lord. I want to know you. The only way to know his ways is to know him. Get to know him. What is he like? What doesn't he like? What are his characteristics? How does he tend to go about things? Uh, what, does he, what does he do in these situations usually? What, what, is, what is the example of Jesus? What, it's not just what would Jesus do because sometimes you don't know what he would do. That's why I never liked those bracelets. What would Jesus do? I don't know. I'm going to have to ask him. How do you always know? You don't. There's no handbook. You've got to have a relationship. Where When God goes, it's just like the first time I saw that I'd hurt my wife. First time. It was at our wedding, and I shoved the cake too hard. And, you know, I was stupid. I was 20, uh, 22 years old. And I saw that look under her eye. I'm like, well, what was that? I've since found out what that look means. It's not a, and, and you know, the amazing thing is they can smile and still have that look. That's where stupid husbands go, well, she's smiling. Look at her eyes. Her eyes are about to cry. You've embarrassed her. You hurt her. But if I'm not in a close relationship with her, I don't see it. I don't care. If you're in a close relationship, you want to know if I've offended you. You want to know, did I hurt you? It's not, it's not an unhealthy relationship. It's healthy to say, is there something I've done? Honey, what I, have I? And, and you keep the air clear, and, and, and that's intimacy. It, 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 but when you're distant from each other, and your wife has to do major things to let you know she's upset, and you're not paying, God's, he, he wants that sense when you've grieved the spirit, you know it. 
How do you know it? You just know it. You sense it. There's enough for like, there's something missing in the peace. Something's not right here. And again, it could be raining blessings. And in the middle of that, God say, something's wrong. I've had it happen to me many times in leading a church. God says, you know, that's a great idea. And you can go get that, but that's not where I'm going. People have struggled with us over the years because they've tried to push us with their good ideas and their good ministries. But I've had to tell people we've got to stay in the lane God's put us in and not be led just by good ideas. It's not to make the ideas wrong or bad or the ministry. But I just want to make sure we're doing what he wants us to do. How do you know? Ask him. He'll tell you. Moses, Moses, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go with these people like this. They've got to repent. They've got to change. I'll just give you my blessing and I'm done. I don't want honey without Jesus. Here's the thing. This will shake you to think about this. If God said, I'm going to forgive your sins, I'm going to restore you spiritually, and I'm going to let you go to heaven, but I'm not going to be there. Guess what that's called? Hell. Our world doesn't grasp that. That if you, if you take the presence of God out of heaven, it's no longer, it's smoke and honey, flowers and bells and whistles and smells and beauty and wonder, and, and, but God's not there. You ever been somewhere really, really nice, but you weren't in a good place and you couldn't even enjoy it? The opposite of that is being somewhere really crappy and feeling good. Marriages have to learn that. It's not about where you live or the kind of house you have or how much money you got. That may make you more comfortable, but it won't make you happier. It's the go-together thing. It's, the, it's, the, it's, it's, it's us that make it home, not where we are. It's, it's, and Lord... You may never do another good thing for me. But if you love me, that's okay. That's okay. Moses says, teach me. It means I don't know. If you think you know, whenever you get around someone, it could be me, your favorite TV, radio, internet preacher. If they act like they've got God figured out and you do A, B, C, and D will happen, run from them. Because God never fit in any formula I've ever had. Now, there's principles that work. There's, there's sowing and reaping principles. There's humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. There, there's, there's principles, but they're not formulas that you put God in a box and this is how God, that's why if someone asks us, how does this church do so well? How did you do so well during COVID? How have you done so and, and I can give you some principles. We, we care for the poor. That's a big deal to God. We don't do a great job with it, but we, we do something. We preach the gospel. We, we ring the bell. We, we try to lift up. We, we, there's things we try to, to, to do, but there's no recipe. It's, it's, it, it, we cry. God shared me one time. We've gone through a hard time, and I'd... I was successful in a lot of ways in a, and not in a good place. That's a dangerous thing. God still blesses you, and you're in a bad way. And you can presume because he's blessing you, 
He's agreeing with your life. Or looking the other way. And the reality is, God said to me, I'm not going to let this church prosper without prayer. I'm not going to let it prosper without prayer. Both me personally and the church corporately. And we've introduced, we went through a season for almost a year where we prayed four or five times a week in the gap. And it was just an intense time of intercession. It was, it was just, it was wonderful. It, we couldn't sustain it, but it was wonderful. We do nights of prayer periodically. We have a regular uh, prayer on Tuesday mornings. That's, it's, 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 but, but we just know that we move forward. And how do we, how do we know God's with us? Because we cry out and say, God, we're not going if you don't go with us. So teach us. Have you prayed that? Pray it. Whisper it right. Lord, teach me your ways. I don't want my way. I want your ways. Not just what your will is, but how do you want to get that will accomplished? Moses thought he knew the will of God was to deliver Israel out of Egypt, and he killed an Egyptian. And God says, no, 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 no. But wasn't that your will? But not my way. The way God wants to do something is as important is what God wants to do. And you won't know the way unless you know him. So that's number one. Number two, Moses not only prays to be teachable and learn, continue to learn the ways of God. Verse 13, uh, 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. Second prayer, if you don't go, don't send me. I'm not going without you. That's a good prayer to pray. Whatever God calls you to do. New job. I appreciated uh, Evan's honesty. Most jobs are hard jobs. That's why they're called a job. (laughs) I want a job that's not hard. It's like TV. You know, and they just love what they're doing every day. And that's good if you have that. But most jobs are hard. It's work. You've got to do your job. But you can pray, Lord, would you go with me? Would you rather have a better job without Jesus or a rough job with him? I want a better job with Jesus. That's fine. You can pray that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't want a better job. I don't want honey without Jesus. Honey without Jesus is going to get really sour really quick. What happened to manna? the honey-like substance that came from heaven. What happened to manna the next day? It got worms in it. God's blessing was no longer on it. You don't want honey without Jesus. You don't want to go. Just say, Lord, I don't want to take this venture. I don't want to take this step. I don't want to, without you. I need you. I, I, I don't want to even accomplish something without you and think somehow it was me. So you have to work it out in your own life. Number one, teach me your ways. Number two, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. i got to be assured. And again, I'm not talking about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. I'm not talking about the fact that God's just faithful presence walks us. I'm talking about walking out life, making decisions, making sure You're following him, and he's not trying to follow you. Let him set the speed. Let him set the direction. Let him set the course. Rest in his leadership. Check with him. Are we on on course here, Lord? Or am I drifting? 
He'll be honest with you. You've gotten ahead of me. You're doing it in your own strength. You're, way, you're leaning on your own wisdom. You're accomplishing this for yourself. This isn't what I ask you to do or how I ask you to do it. So you have to have a living relationship to know, is he with me? Not bells and whistles. Bells and whistles are deceptive. Blessings and angels. There are churches that would rather have big angels in the service than Jesus. I know one right now. And, and I, I believe with all my heart that they chose God, they chose the honey and not the God of the honey. And it'll dry up because he's the source. And you know what would happen to Israel if they'd have gone into the promised land without God? They'd have become like all the other nations. Because when God leaves us alone and leaves us to ourselves, even in his blessings, we turn them into idols. We turn them into things that are unhealthy and unholy. That's just human nature. My ways aren't your ways, Jamie. Start there. Start there. His thoughts aren't my thoughts. They're higher. Start there. Start with humility. God, I need you. And your plan's best. I don't know how to do this, but you show me and we'll do it together. Moses said, teach me your ways. Go with me. And the final thing, we're not going to unpack it today. We're going to save it for next week, but I want to just at least give you this to finish reading. And it goes into chapter 34. So I encourage you to read uh, chapter 34, the first like 10 verses. But he says, verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you. I know you by name. Verse 18, it's not enough. I'm getting him to teach me his ways. He's committed to go with me. That's good. He's got more. God loves this. This is the honey. Teaching him the ways. Committed to go with him. Now he says, Lord, show me your glory. What a prayer. You can, we're we're going to unpack it next week. But it, it, it's, there's a little hint. The, the most of the glory of God you could ever see is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Find Jesus in this encounter that Moses has. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. We're going to talk about it next week. Show me your glory. I want to see who you are. It's not, it's not it, this isn't about lights and thunder and shaking. This is about beauty of his goodness. This is about his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness. His glory of who he is. Because the more you see who he is, as we sing about, your goodness has been running after, running after, running after me. He's good. And Moses says, teach me your ways. Go with us and show me your glory. Those are three prayers that will keep you from going after honey without Jesus. They'll keep you from going after blessings and settling like the 10 lepers. Nine of them were healed. A Jesus miracle. And they ran after the healing and not Jesus. The prodigal son took his dad's wealth, his inheritance. He took the honey, spent it all, wasted it, lost the father. Father didn't go with him. He chose to take 
the honey instead of his relationship with his father. And he comes home and lost all the honey, eating pig's food, but he comes home to dad. The presence of the father makes all the difference in the world. I'd rather have Jesus in the storm than have no storm without Jesus. I'd rather go through hard times with Jesus than great times without him. Can't we just have great times with him? I, yeah, I'm all good. I'm happy for that. But that's not much reality in a world that's filled with so much evil, brokenness, sin, and a real enemy who's out after us. And so you may be feeling right now, I don't have any honey. Better to not have honey and have Jesus than have a lot of good sweet stuff and be drifting from the Lord. So he's more important than honey. That's why the van, the, the truck's called sweeter than honey. What's sweeter than honey is the one that gives it. And so we go after him and his presence. So would you pray for us as a church that we'll experience his presence when we gather and that we'll discern if, if there's something missing in, his, in, in, in our connecting and our awareness, our encountering uh, his presence. And again, I'm not talking about big angels and healing and power and miracles, and that's, I, let it come, Lord. But all of that can happen, and we miss him. And I've seen it. I've been in churches and movements where there were major things happening. God was far away. God was far away. And I pray that that never happens here. I'd rather have failure with his presence than success without it. Amen? I'll take him. He's enough. He's sufficient. He loves us. I love his blessings. I pray for his blessings. He told us to pray, but none of them are ever meant to take the place of him. None of them are sweeter than him. None of them can be a substitute to take the place of his presence. It's like a husband trying to buy his wife gifts, but isn't giving her his heart. He gets tough. Uh, you see that sometimes big famous people, some go through some big immoral thing and they go buy their wife a big diamond. Wow, that made up for it. You want a big diamond or you want a big heart? I want both. I get that. <laughs> I hear you. Sometimes it happens. But you'd rather have the big heart. You'd rather have the person than the stuff. Would I love to have some of the blessings my dad gave me over the years? He was very generous to my wife and I. He didn't want me to be a preacher. He, t he tried to talk me out of it. But then he supported us in ways that we wouldn't have survived. We wouldn't be where we are today without he and my mom's support. But I'd give up every ounce of that to be able to spend time with my dad again. It's, it's not about the stuff. It's about him. And when you have loved ones that are gone that you miss, 
that were good to you and blessed you. You just want them. It's not the stuff. And the Lord, he wants to be loved because you love him, not because he gives you honey. Because sometimes he gives you vinegar, and it's sour, and you got to take it because he loves us. And, and there's hardship, and there's pain and unfairness of life. Life's hard. It's unfair, and at oftentimes it's very evil. And, but he's still good, and he loves you in the midst of that. So don't think because things are hard. Sometimes things are really good, and God's wanting you to repent. He's given you a lot of honey. Like with Peter, he catches all these fish. What does he do? He repents. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. So the offer of that good land and a big angel is goodness. But when he says, I'm not going with you, it's the Lord without you. Heaven is not heaven. Blessings are not blessings. They're false substitutes of a relationship with you. Amen? Hard word. Good to check your oil sometimes. It's okay. We check our oil. We don't do it because God's mad at us. We do it because he loves us, and we check our oil. Say, show me your ways, Lord. Not just your will, but I want to know your ways. I want to know you better. I want to know your heart, Lord. Let's stand up. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a, a, a great song. Let's find God in the song. You can lose God in worship, too. Do you know that? You can get caught up in the feeling of worship and miss the God we're worshiping. So don't get lost in the song. Find him who the song is about. It's not about how warm and fuzzy you feel. It's, oh, God, how much of your glory do I see? How much of your presence do I sense? Teach me. Teach me your ways, Lord. Even in worship, I'll never forget the day the Lord, I was sitting right over here, and Daniel, I don't know if he's in here or not, but Daniel, anyway, you'd have to know him, but the Lord spoke to me and said, Daniel's a better worshiper than you are. And I'm like, Daniel barely ever claps, doesn't lift his hand, and doesn't sing. And he's a better worshiper than me? See, that's when you've lost the ways of God. I knew how to lift my hands. I got the songs memorized. I know how to sway back and forth. I got the whole thing down. But I can be thinking about Rib City, or I could be worrying about who's not here, or I could be, you know, I'm just going through the motions. And Daniel, on the other hand, doesn't have the motions. But whatever's going on inside of him makes God happy. And he said, Daniel's a better worshiper than you are, Jamie. What do you do when God tells you that? You repent. I'm sorry, Lord. Help me be a better worshiper. It's not about performance. I tell you, I could pick on Rich because he, he, he quits about every third week on our, on our worship leader. He just says, you, you don't need me. You've got these younger guys, and I can't keep up with them, and I don't know this, this thing, and I, I'm done. He just quits every couple weeks. He does. He quits. And Kelly says, you're not quitting, Rich. We need you. And, 
And I love all of our drummers. You know, Tom is amazing, and Zach, and I see Asher's here on school break. Uh, I love all, but Jade, Jaden, Jaden's here. Where are you? He stepped out. But I said, Rich, it's not about you being the perfect rhythm, always get the right whatever. We're not looking for performance up here. We're looking for worshipers. He worships. If you watch him on those drums. I'm not saying the others don't. But he's been through a lot of life. And he knows what it is to go without the honey, but find Jesus. And that's, that's a worshiper. So let's bring our worship to him. In weakness, not performing, let's just give him ourselves in a, in a fresh way this morning. And he'll begin to teach us his ways. What's really important to him may not be very important to you. What's really important to you may not be a real big deal to him. How do you know? You get to know him. You talk to him about it. You don't lower him to your thoughts. You let him raise you to his. You don't say, God, let me teach you my ways. Jamie's ways are not his. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We cannot worship without grace. We cannot be worshipers without your spirit. We can't give you in our own strength what we want to give you. We need you, Holy Spirit, come. If we know anything about the ways of the Father, is that he delights in us being childlike. Your kingdom is a childlikeness of faith. So we have to come to you by faith, not by our intellect and not even by our emotions. We choose to come believing you trusting you, lifting our eyes to you. We say, Holy Spirit, bring us into the presence of our Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's worship.